Welcome to Nothing But The Truth with me, Elizabeth Bowden. I'm a barrister at College Chambers. And I'm joining Elizabeth on this podcast. So this is all about how to be a good mini pupil. Why are we discussing this today? In the last years, maybe four or five, I have had some brilliant experiences with mini pupils and I have had some quite awful experiences with mini pupils. So if you remember to our decoding episode, we spoke about what a mini, what that word, the phrase means, mini pupil. It's basically what barristers call people coming in and doing work experience. Okay. So it's really important that people can come in and do work experience to get that mini pupillage experience. But I sense with the ones that are bad, in inverted commas, that they don't understand the expectation that a barrister has when this mini pupil comes into our world. And I think it's not okay for us as barristers to get frustrated when we have a bad mini pupil. I'm Mm -hmm. air quoting. Anytime I say bad mini pupil, please, I'm air quoting it because no person is bad. Anytime we have a bad mini pupil, we've never told them what our expectations are. Yeah. So they come in, they don't meet our expectations and we go, oh, that was a bad mini pupil. Yes. And I just think that's terribly unfair. So it's much like if a child does something wrong and you're cross, they've done something wrong. You haven't told them what, what's expected of them. Yes. And I think what I'm hoping from this episode is I can just set down the expectations and give mini pupils and potential mini pupils an understanding of what it's like having a mini pupil from a barrister's point of view. So they can go into this whole situation with their eyes wide open and understand what the expectations are and understand how to be an inverted commas, good mini pupil. And a mini pupillage, it's one of those things that you have to do, isn't it? I would definitely put it in that category of have to do. If if you turned up for a pupillage interview and you had not done a single mini pupillage I think that would be a concern for that chambers looking at your application form. They're quite elitist. No bones about that. Uh, it's a problem across the bar. All work experience to degree is elitist because the only people who can easily do it are those the ones that have the funds to do it because you have to give up time to do a mini pupillage. There's not many mini pupillages that are funded even for their travel. Because remember in our other episodes, how chambers work, they're self-funding, we're a hippie collective, there's no big budget. <laughs> so yeah, sure. It, very rarely are mini pupillages funded. So if a pupil at a pupillage interview didn't have a single mini pupillage on their application form, it would be a worry. Not because it's a qualifying thing that make you a better pupil, it would mean that that chambers wasn't sure that you understood actually what being a barrister is because the only way that you can see that and understand it is if you're in that environment so there are other ways that you can gain court experience and see what it is that a barrister does so if you had zero mini pupillages but you happen to have sat in court with a judge or you know worked in a solicitor's office and gone to court and done those sorts of things we could offset it but if you had no experience and and no one-to-one understanding of what it was to be a barrister we are chambers I think our chambers would be worried that you just had no idea what you were letting yourself in for because it's not like what it is on the telly. So what are the expectations then because I suppose if you're coming in as a mini pupil you're thinking right I'm going to be involved in everything you know like I'm going to go and do work experience at a tv station or I'll probably be presenting the breakfast show there right But, but actually it's not that it's more about observing isn't it? 
It's definitely about observing. And actually, your example is really good because if you went to work experience at a TV station or any other office environment, they might let you have a go at some stuff. Mm -hmm. They might let you play with a photocopier or some buttons in the control room or, you know, give you a demo. If a mini pupil rocked up to court and thought they were going to have a go at stuff with me, yeah, yeah, bad mini pupil, not going to be good. And the whole thing's going to be a disaster. It's definitely an observation role. And I think sometimes that element, when it's a bad mini pupil, they don't understand that. They yeah. don't understand that. So a mini pupilage is, is really important for the person that's done it. They've probably worked hard for it. They've applied for it. They've given up their time. It's probably costing them money. This is their number one priority and they want to get the most out of it than they can. I totally get that. But that many pupils coming into my workplace where people in my job are paying me good money for my time and my advice. So if they're not getting 100, and I like to think I'd give my clients 110% of my time for the money they are paying me, I'm not doing a good job for them. Yep. So many people have to understand when they come in to my place of work, it's not about them. Yes. And that's a really difficult thing for some mini pupils to understand. Some really get it. And it's probably the ones who've done two or three mini pupillages. But if you're fresh faced coming into it, you want to max out this benefit for you. There's a lack of understanding that it cannot be about you. And so what is the expectation then? So if they're coming in, it's not about them getting involved in everything or having an opinion or trying to sort of take over stuff. They're not there to be the barrister. They're there to observe, to listen and take notes and create an understanding, I suppose. Yeah, they come in in the morning. So first up, they need to be aware that the chances are I've had to give up some of my time to get to court a bit earlier to allow for the fact that I then have a mini pupil that I have to find. Sometimes that's a challenge. Find them, uh, give them the lay of the land of the court building, give them some you know general background chit chat before my then real clients of the day turn up. Yeah. So I'm already giving up some time to do this. And don't forget, it's not paid time. You know, no one in chambers pays me to do this. It's disingenuous to say it's a goodwill gesture because we all understand the importance of mini pupillages. We expect people coming into the profession to have done something to gain experience. So we have to give up the time. People did it for me. I'm very happy to do it for, for people who are coming through. So when we get to the point where I've introduced them to me, the court, and we're ready to start speaking to the client, my expectation at that point is they will then somehow know that they need to metamorphosize into a Victorian child. And by that, I mean is be seen and not heard. Okay. So when they're one-to-one with me, chit-chat away, ask any questions you like, not a problem. As soon as there is anyone else present, and by anyone else, I mean a lay client, a professional client, an opponent from the other side, a litigant in person on the other side, literally anyone else present, think Victorian child, seen and not heard, just observe. If you have questions, make a note, bank them for later, I'll sit down, talk through, explain it all. If we're then in a con room, a conference room, uh, silly barrister language again. (laughs) If we're then in a con room and I'm having a conference with either one or the lay and the professional client, just the lay client, I do not want your opinion. Now, that's a cold, hard truth. I am genuinely not interested in it. And if we're in a con and you start giving your opinion... I will be getting cross about that because you are undermining me professionally. They're not paying to hear your opinion. They're paying to hear mine. That's why they've come to court. If you then take it a step further, um, and I know from colleagues that they've had that happen, that you're then challenging what it is that that barrister has said, you have significantly overstepped the mark. Because even if you think that you're right, 
even if you think, oh, I read about this case last week in the law reports, you may well have a point. But one, you don't embarrass that barrister. And two, you might not be right. Save it, bank it, bring it to the barrister's attention later, preferably in a not a na 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 I'm much cleverer than you type of way because we're all human. And, you know, that's just not conducive to a, a, an interesting legal discussion. But talk about it later. There might be something, a good reason why that barrister has not mentioned that particular piece of case law. Have the discussion, maximise it that way. Do not do it in a con. Have you had this happen? Um, Being challenged directly in front of my clients, no. So a few years ago, I did, uh, a colleague of mine came back from court to tell me they had a mini pupil and the mini pupil had challenged the Kafkas officer in court and almost was having a back and forth with them. And so the Kafkas officer is essentially the, the, the court appointed officer who usually writes reports about the children and you know, when there's an application in relation to residence and contact. I mean, that was deeply embarrassing for my friend, who was the, the barrister on that case, because suddenly the many people who everyone in that courtroom would deem that you're responsible for yes. is challenging the Kafkas officer in a way that the barrister never would. <laughs> and it undermines exactly where you are doesn't it? I I find it quite incredible that somebody could do that. Common sense would say to me, okay, I'm here to observe, just keep stum. And I'm the world's worst for (laughs) keeping stum. But actually in that professional setting, to undermine the person that is trying to give you some experience and to help you with your career, that's possibly one of the worst things you could do. Well, I agree with you. But apparently we haven't said this out loud enough. Maybe it's because saying to young people who want to come through, be seen and not heard, could be taken in a really bad way because it, it sounds as if you don't care about the mini pupil or giving them that what they need. Because, yeah, this thing is costing them time and money, so they need to get something from it. And I guess that's the whole point of nothing but the truth. This is the cold, hard, nothing but the truth. You need to be seen and not heard when the clients are around, anyone's around. That's the best way to maximise that experience. And it's a worry. It's a worry that we have to express that. But I'm finding it more and more of a requirement that that needs to be expressed. What else have you come across with a, like you say, in inverted commas, <laughs> a bad mini pupil? Bad mini pupil. I think it's an understanding that you need to blend in. Mm-hmm. And it's that... It's the same principle. You've come into my workplace. People are there to see me. And if if we're in court, the judge is there to listen to me. Any attention you draw away from that, it's not helpful and it's not going to be welcomed. We are a very old and traditional profession. So when it says come in a business suit or business attire, please do that. Don't don't make it, you know, don't rock up in a crazy Friday night outfit or, you know, full of bright colours. I mean, I'd love it if our profession ever dressed on a day-to-day basis in bright colours in court, but it doesn't happen. But it doesn't lend itself to that, does it? You know, knowing what to wear is exactly the same as knowing how to behave, isn't it? It's it's part of it, isn't it? If you're taking somebody to court, you're giving them your time. They are able to observe your experience and to take from that, to learn from that. There's too much of this at the moment where people are not listening. They're waiting to talk. They, oh, I've got something to say here. When actually the best thing they can do is observe. Yes. And that, and that listening, that's really important. 
because it's not about butting in and making yourself heard. It's about, I'm here to understand this profession. The best way that I can do that is to listen and observe. So if you're drawing attention to yourself, you're taking away your opportunities to listen and observe because the attention becomes focused on you. I suppose it's a bit like being a, a wildlife cameraman. Right. You know, you need to be as unobtrusive as possible uh-huh. so you can see all of the natural behaviour in that environment. It's not for you to step in and change the course of events. Yes. It's, it's for you just to sit, observe and learn. Stay in the hide, don't feed the penguins. Exactly. Right, that's yeah. exactly what we're saying, right? What else goes on with mini pupils? Because you've talked about going into court and the con room. Where else will they go with you? They will literally stick to you like glue. Mm-hmm. So if we move to a con room, have a conference, they'll stick to you. If I have a one-to-one with a, my opposing barrister, they'll stick with me. If we go for a coffee afterwards, they'll stick with me. Oh, and just FYI, if you're bought a coffee by a barrister, that's coming out of their own pocket. Or if they buy you lunch, that's coming out of their own pocket. So rules of behaviour, it's not expressed often. And I don't think to, to well, I do it to my children because I'm tight. But if someone takes you out for lunch, you don't get the most expensive thing on the menu. That's just rude. It's a rule for life. <laughs> I go for steak with a lobster on top. <laughs> but it's just having that understanding and that blending in. You can be good company without being demanding. Yeah. And it's that balance. So when we're sat down and if it's, if it's something that I'm professionally close to, I know them well, it may be that we can have a group wide discussion of why did this happen? Why did the other happen? But as a mini pupil, you have to be really aware that there are professional boundaries in terms of confidentiality and instructions and those bits and pieces, which is why often it's also safer to be seen and not heard mm-hmm. and have those discussions on a one to one basis afterwards. You know, and, it, you know, if a barrister offers you a lift back to chambers or a lift to the train station, perfect opportunity to be having those one to one conversations. Or if it's at lunchtime and you've got five minutes with them, say, I'd really like to ask you about X, Y and Z afterwards. Would it be OK if we caught up at the end of the day to do that? A barrister, one, will appreciate the heads up because they'll you know, know that you want to ask questions. And two, can say yes or no or say to you, actually, today I'm a bit tight for time because I've got a child to pick up or I need to go and pick up some papers or you know, whatever. But um, send them to me on an email and answer it or I'll give you a call and answer the questions. I'm, I'm very happy to adapt how I respond to things in the time that I have because all time limited aren't we but there are ways and means of maximizing it i had a mini pupil oh yonks ago now and they were offered to do my attendance note for me okay nearly fell off my chair with glee (laughs) of course um so i can send them you know the relevant template or if they stick it in any old word document i'm perfectly capable of formatting it but that is a great way to observe and hone your skills in writing an attendance note which is an absolute pain in the backside for any barrister who's done a full day in court then has to go home and write the attendance note. If you've sat there and typed out the judgment as the judge gives it and you say, I've, I've, I, I recorded the judgment, do you want to send it to me? That barrister's going to be forever grateful to you. That's going to be the most useful thing for them that has happened in a day. So it also means that you're then listening to the judgment or is it as the judgment's being given or you know directions are being made, you can then go, oh, he made the judge or she or she made this direction why was that or we spoke about this in conference but it didn't come up in court why was that and it becomes a useful conversation because you've done a really helpful thing for the barrister they're going to love you forever because you've made a careful note and as you are doing the careful note you can go oh, that's going to be a question or I've got a question about that and it means that you can then 
through an observation role, really maximise the learning. It also then means when it comes to your pupillage interview and someone says, oh, I see you did a mini pupillage at X chambers. What type of case did you see or what did you learn? You can then say, oh, I learned this. Because if you're sat there twiddling your thumbs, not actively learning, all that information becomes lost. Yes. But if you've done the active learning by writing a note or making a list of questions and discussing it later, it becomes a much more memorable and useful event for you as well. And if you're a mini pupil who's been through bar school and maybe there's a case management hearing and the rules are brought up, seeing how those rules are put into play is, again, really useful. I remember sitting in my bar exams and thinking back to mini pupillages I had and things that I'd observed going, oh, oh, I know this is the answer to the question because I've seen it in, I saw it happen in court. Can you tell, Elizabeth, when somebody's already done a mini pupillage somewhere and then they come to you? Or can you also tell, <laughs> okay, this is your first mini pupillage. Can you tell where they are on their journey? or whether they've been through bar school, or if they are way before that? I can definitely tell when they're fresh out of school okay. versus fresh out of bar school, right. because it's a different type of question that's asked. The fresh out of school might be slightly more interested in how much money is going to be earned. And I, on a, on a personal note, I'm fine to discuss finances because yeah. this is a profession you have to pay to get into because you have to pay for bar school and then pupillage is rubbishly paid so you have to put into this so I'm totally happy that you know what you're letting yourself in for so talk to me about money I do not mind but those are the much more kind of practical questions that get asked for the for the for the newbies yeah. those fresh out of school Whereas if you've got to the end of bar school and you've paid up all that money, that becomes less of a concern. You just need to maximise your chances of getting pupillage. So at that point, it might be questions about what the local sets are like, what the range of work is like, what it's like working on circuit. It might be more questions in relation to specific decisions that are made in cases or case management decisions. It might be slightly more rule orientated because they're at a point in their education where they understand and are aware of the rules. What's the weirdest question you've ever been asked by a mini pupil? I don't know if it was weird, annoying or embarrassing, <laughs> but it was, it was years ago now and I had inherited a watch from my grandfather and I was wearing the watch because it needed wearing. If you don't wear these things, they tend to seize up. And I remember sitting in a conference and the mini pupil out of nowhere, while I was advising a client in relation to um, a particular aspect of the case, just went, oh, oh, that's a really nice watch. <laughs> and I was like, what? Let's have a think about when it's appropriate to say that. Time and place, time and place. I, oh, I sound like I'm just quoting, um, you know, how to bring up children from 1822. <laughs> <laughs> Seen them, not heard, time and place. But I suppose there's a backbone of rules for mini pupillage and actually into the first six of pupillage as well. Those are probably a good foundation to have. Seen and not heard, particularly you don't want to be challenging your pupil supervisor in, in situations that are not on one-to-one. -one. Do it one-to-one. -one. We're all up for a, well, me personally, I don't want to ruin any other pupil supervisor's <laughs> life. I'm all up for a challenge and a discussion and a justification. But seen and not heard and then time and a place. Okay. Now, being a barrister, you like to do things a little bit differently. So we've not got a top ten. We've not no. got a top five. No. We've got a top seven things to do as a mini pupil and rules to follow. I do. And I'd probably, if I was caught, respond with that. I have ten top tips. Yeah. 
Uh, seven are what to do. Yes. And three are what not to do. I love that. Yeah. Let's go with that. So with the risk of sounding like I'm banging on, that's someone's catchphrase, isn't it? I think it's off Instagram. <laughs> I think it says more about my feed. <laughs> so with the risk of sounding like I'm banging on, definitely top number one, be seen and not heard. Yes. When there are others around. Think Victorian child, yep. right? Lawyer caveat, lawyer caveat. On a one-to-one basis, fill your boots with questions. But when you're not one-to-one, Victorian child. Okay. Second one, time and a place. I think that covers off a myriad of things. Uh, random questions about watches, piping up with something from the back of the courtroom and the judge is summing up. Just that thing. Time and a place. Just be aware of that. Is it the appropriate moment to talk about how lovely the watch is? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's... I hope not rocket science, but you know, just keep those in mind. Mantra, a mantra for your mini pupillage, followed by be on time. Yeah. And if you're not on time, call chambers. They'll let the barrister know, but stop them, you know, hanging around the court foyer for 20 minutes because your train is late and they don't know. So just communicate. Probably quite good basic for barristering, but be on time. And if you're not on time, let someone know. A barrister would much rather know because it means they can, if you're doing a criminal pupillage, get in the queue for the cells and not worry about you and just get a bit done and not you then won't have a knock-on effect on the rest of their day. Yeah. Offer to write a note, offer to write the judgment, offer to do one of the jobs a barrister hates. They will love you. That's definitely, I think we're on four now. Number four, my favourite okay. for four. I mean, anyone to come do a mini piece with me and write my attendance note for me, I would be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> they are the bane of my life. <laughs> and don't order the most expensive thing on the menu. Oh, yes, of yeah. course. So just be aware of what that barrister is doing for you. You know, they are giving up their time, their money, their effort. And just be grateful for that and appreciate it in a good way, you know, like... Just be aware of it, isn't it? Yeah. And on with that, be kind for number six. And for number seven, be patient. Because yes, this mini pupillage is the be all at that moment in time and end all to that mini pupil. But you are one of a gazillion things that that barrister is juggling. And I'm not just talking about at court and clients. I'm talking about clerks, other solicitors, other cases, other clients, children. Yeah. <laughs> Pets, husbands, wives, spouses, siblings, all these other bits and pieces that a barrister is juggling. You are one of many of their to-dos in that day. So just be aware of that. Be kind and be patient. You know, if a barrister says, just give me a minute and they take 20, (laughs) just be patient. Just go with it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, people in my family would say that's standard Um, (laughs) and perhaps just get used to that for life if you're ending up in this profession. But yeah, be kind, be patient. We're all human. And my three big do nots. Okay. Number three. <laughs> oh, we're going to reverse order. Yes. Don't be a distraction. Okay. On any level. Just don't be a distraction. Two, don't give an opinion. And number one is uh, don't advise. So the opinion's at number two because, you know, you could say, oh, I, uh, I don't think that evidence in relation to that aspect is great. That's an opinion. Please don't give it. We can have that conversation later. It's worse in my mind to advise and say, oh, I don't think you should do that to a client. Or if I've said, when we go into court, you know, we need to do X or you need to be aware of whatever, you know, don't go, I don't think you should. I I would advise you that, you know, actually what you need to do is this. Don't go there. BBC Wildlife Cameraman. 
That probably sounds better than Victorian child. Maybe I should use that. I analogy think more. so. I think so. <laughs> the don't feed the penguins. Stay hidden. Yes. <laughs> okay. Give me the worst example of a mini pupil that you've ever come across in the last couple of decades. So the very worst incident that I've had. So all barristers are subject to the GDPR, so General Data Protection Regulation which means we have to keep all of our data secure. My chambers makes me do it annually, yeah. an exam to say that I'm fully aware of my obligations and you know what security have I put in place. And I had a, a mini pupil and they needed to see something and I showed them a document on my iPad. Yeah. I'd locked it all down so they could just access this document. They finished reading it, gave the iPad back to me. And then the next thing I knew, I carried on a conversation with someone, turned around and they had helped themselves to my iPad again. <laughs> and I was like, what? what there's a boundary here i mean you know people get upset when you you know pick up someone else's phone don't yeah. they and i couldn't understand why i mean it was just awful it was awful i mean i had the whole gdpr panic which is like a yeah a hot a hot feeling of uh, you know dry heave because yeah I, you just what happened with that mini pupillage did you have to just send them home at that point uh i think that one came to an end all right although i have to so we're nothing but the truth, right? I have to confess to, on a previous occasion, one being so annoying that I ditched them. Okay. I made an excuse and had to go, but I, that I had to go, but didn't. I went and had a coffee with a friend. Okay, okay, okay. That's awful. But yeah, but some, sometimes though, it's a bit needs must, isn't it? Look, I can't do my work while you are around. Yep. And... I think I just you know, got to the point where it, it became all about me and I thought, I, ca- I, can't, do, I can't deal with this anymore today. Yeah. I know that I have to go home and do this attendance note, you know, cook dinner and do all of those things, you know, life stuff. Yeah. I'm like, I just need some time off. I just, I just need time not having to deal with this and ditch them, made an excuse, having made an other secret squirrel plan with my friend who was the opposing barrister to go and buy a coffee. And give me the best example of a mini pupil you've come across? The best example? Oh, honestly, I wish they would just come back. Uh, I mean, week on week, I got home. And by the time I got home, what had arrived in my inbox was everything that I needed to put in my attendance note. Wow. Which included on that occasion, like the pretty much word for word judgment, which was necessary because it <laughs> hadn't gone brilliantly. Um, <laughs> so I then had to advise on appeal. They obviously hadn't written the advice on appeal to me, but I just had everything there and I could just start on the next bit of work which was the advice on appeal. Have they gone on to you know study at the bar and all of that stuff do you know that they're working still? I do know that they're working and I know that they're now a tenant as well. Okay very good. They've made it all the way. Wow that's fantastic isn't it and you know or you knew at that point you're going to go far. Yeah because you know what Way back in episode one, I think we spoke about what makes, why people are barristers. We're fixers. Yeah. We see the problem and we fix it. And they saw the problem, which was, you know, tired barrister trying to do 14 things at once and now has to go home and write an attendance note. Yep. They were sat at the back of the court. They had two free hands. They could write everything they needed to. They saw the problem. They fixed it. They sent it to me. They weren't asked. They weren't anything. That's proactive fixer, total barrister characteristic. And that's it, isn't it? It's about helping, not hindering. Yeah. 
and and understanding what does those two things yeah and actually that that element of understanding people is a really key part of our job i i think i had a discussion with a friend the other day on linkedin and they were talking about understanding people and that as barristers we should get some trauma training for all the things that we deal with and on from that i think as barristers we can cause people quite a lot of trauma through cross-examination not that we're doing a bad job but just you know cross-examining someone on a on a a difficult matter is yeah. quite traumatic. So not only do we need trauma training for for barristers, but barristers themselves have to understand people better. Because yeah. that aspect, you know, tearing strips off someone in cross-examination is one very minor part of our job. Getting people together and moving them forward from an entrenched position to reach an agreement without having to go through cross-examination is another aspect of our job and arguably much better because it's, you know, mediating to a conclusion is much better than having to go through an adversarial court process to get a conclusion that is determined by a judge and not determined, you know, by the two people involved in the disagreement. So that understanding people is really key. So when they come in as a mini pupil, they see the problem, they fix it, that element of understanding why it's a problem, I think is shows that that person is very insightful as to people and why people behave in a particular way and what people need and how to get people what they need. If anyone follows me on LinkedIn, they would have seen, you know, skills that you need for a barrister. It'd been quite a long day, I said. <laughs> Endurance, <laughs> it'd been a very long day. And patience, so, so much patience, which is true. But then people chimed in with other skills that they thought barrister needed, um, barristers needed. And, you know, empathy was definitely way up there on the top of the list. And yes. if, you, if you don't have that, it's basic it's really difficult to do this job because you need that empathy to understand why someone's done something yes. or to understand why someone will react in a particular way when you ask a question. It may be that as a, a barrister, you use the fact that you're empathetic and understand why someone will react to create a reaction because it's going to be beneficial to your case. Yes. I'm not saying that, you know, we're not, we're all capable of that kind of dark art of manipulation because that's to a degree cross-examination you cross-examine someone in a particular way to get the answer you want yeah if you're trying to demonstrate that they are an aggressive person because you can understand people and you can empathize with them you can then understand how it is that you'll provoke a reaction so that sounds really ming the merciless doesn't it but, but that's part of the profession isn't it so understanding people i think is the most important thing to come through here you yeah. know we don't need a, a list of rules on the door it's come in victorian child <laughs> filming penguins yeah <laughs> you know observe and learn yeah i think that nails it damn it your list was much better than mine <laughs> and it had penguins <laughs> So I just want to reassure you that although I appear to have fallen out of the Victorian era and insist that people should behave in a certain way, we don't, we absolutely don't make our pupils go up chimneys. Just want to make that clear. Thank you very much for joining me, Elizabeth Bowden, for this episode of Nothing But The Truth. Don't forget to follow me on LinkedIn.